live from Bristol, <laughs> it's Judge Movie. Uh, welcome to Judge Movie, the movie judge who judges movies, accused of crimes against cinema. I'm Judge Movie. All rise. The Honourable Judge Movie presiding. Court is now in session. Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm the cinema attorney who's going to be arguing with Judge Movie uh, in the case of the people versus method acting. We've brought method acting to the table today because it seems like in 2018 it's in a very different place to where it was sort of 50 years ago. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about what method acting even is. Uh, to do that, we're going to look at Angelica J. Bastian's 2016 piece called Hollywood Has Ruined Method Acting. Um, so in the piece, she kind of challenges the idea of method acting is automatically means it's good acting and where we're at today. Um, and we're going to break down what method acting really is, what it used to mean, what it means now. I'm going to be defending method acting while uh, Judge Movie is going to be taking it. It's going all the way down. You're going to have to put up a fight to save that turkey. And as a focus, we're going to be looking at The Misfits, uh, which came out in 1961, directed by John Huston. And it's interesting because you have Marilyn Monroe and Montgomery Clift and Eli Wallach, who are very early uh, students of method acting. And they're acting against Clark Gable, obviously classical Hollywood. And we're going to be unpacking those performances in that film. I Judge Movie first started thinking that uh, really the tide had turned on method acting um, in 2016 because what we had that year was both um, Leonardo DiCaprio winning his undeservedly winning Oscar for The Revenant um, where basically he just sort of put himself through the ringer and got attacked by a bear in in sort of humorous fashion and also, there was Jared Leto's performance as the Joker in Suicide Squad. Uh, Angelica J. Bastian wrote a really great piece uh, that year in The Atlantic uh, called Hollywood Has Ruined Method Acting, where um, she breaks down how method acting in Hollywood has sort of become a case of PR and a sort of masculine... Um, showboating. Sort of dick, showboating, a dick-measuring contest. And to prove my point, I now call to the stand... Jared Leto. Because it's not something that you really should do. Logically, this role has been interpreted so beautifully. But then there's the other side. What else can you uncover? What other parts of this story, of this life, what, what can you do that hasn't been done? That side of me that likes exploration, that likes adventure, that likes to push the envelope, that was set on fire immediately. I knew that I was going to have to dive really deep and go to a place that I'd never gone before. Oh, this looks neat. Heath Ledger's obviously amazing performance in The Dark Knight. Uh, Jared Leto seems to feel like he has to one-up it uh, in his show as the Joker, so he tattoos himself and sort of just turns in this ridiculous performance that is really kind of unmotivated and doesn't really warrant the lengths that he goes to considering it's about 10 minutes of screen time um i think i enjoy that performance um i definitely think even if you maybe don't enjoy it you can still see it's definitely memorable it's definitely got a big impact and you know he's chosen to find that role and put that performance out there by what he has done behind the, the screen sure. behind the cameras 
I think that his performance it's impactful but not in the not in the right way though at all it's not in he's sort of trying to play the Joker as this like gangster Scarface mob boss with like an element of like Little Wayne or something I as think, well I mean Jared Leto is quite well known for the lengths he goes to for his performances he's done extreme weight gains and weight loss which he did win an Oscar for in Dallas Buyers Club um, and I guess you know that's his approach he is very committed um to his performances and I think it does show on screen and if it's not coming off well in the film maybe that's the fault of the directors or the editors you know as an actor he's got to put a lot of stuff out there and not all of it's going to be great but it's about sort of the director's job to make sure it does fit in the movie definitely I think that's something that we need to get into is what extent uh, the performances that we see on screen are shaped by the director or the editor and what extent is actually the actor bringing those elements to bear especially in a sort of postmodern era of Hollywood where um, you know, shot lengths are shorter there's more choice of uh, takes mm-hmm. um, yeah with digital filmmaking there is no limitation with how much stock you can film stock you can afford absolutely um, I think in classical Hollywood you can see a, a nice long take that's more theatrical um, where the actor's pulling off a lot of gestures within that mm-hmm. um, and so you can really see the quality of their performance in that and how they are acting with another actor I think of like um, John Wayne in the first scene of The Searchers where he's just come home and the way that he plays off against all of the family in one unbroken take mm-hmm. um, and the way that he keeps looking back towards his um, sort of love of his like lost love uh, even as he's being distracted by other people that's such like elegant um, staging and elegant sort of movement by him um, unfair to compare him to Jared Leto but I don't think that modern filmmaking offers the same kind of opportunity to see performance in that way I think it does but it's just a different you need a different method for a different kind of filmmaking so maybe you do need to just be bringing an energy to the screen that you've got from the method you've taken how would you compare sort of the james franco performance in spring breakers might be a more apt um comparison point to the jared leto one where they're both pastiches of hip-hop culture both um sort of the most oppressive presence in the film Mm -hmm. and sort of overpowering everything else that's going on within this sort of crazy very high energy sort of edited film um maybe it's just how they use narratively is what makes them not work as well well makes right. the Jared Leto performance not work as well as the James Franco performance because you know he's James Franco's alien is so integral to the plot whereas Joker has been famously edited out he's has had his screen time reduced yeah. he doesn't interact with all the characters it weirdly it seems like James Franco's more in on the joke than Jared Leto is it feels like even though Jared Leto's performance is ridiculous he doesn't realize it's it's ridiculous I think a good editor would be able to build that into the film. Uh, Sebastian says, uh, talking about Marlon Brando, who's probably the most famous method actor, um, or at least maybe the quintessential method actor, the the guy that people normally think of first. He's one of the guys that really brought it to cinema in in the 50s. Uh, Bastian says, Brando was uh, self-deprecating about his choice of career. He saw acting as inferior to the kind of work that a real man would do. By going method, a performer can signal that he works for his art, that he can make his labour visible. And that attitude has lived on today. Um, 
I think that's like a really good sort of summation of how how the methods progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been down that line. It's almost more of an ego thing than um, something that's in service of the film. I think maybe it does serve the film because maybe some people want to see films in a vacuum, but they don't. You know, people consume films and engage with them through the stars and through the, all the extra textual information and things they know about it. I, you know, you could make the argument that with the PR and everything surrounding movies that the act, like method acting itself is all part of the film. The whole performance begins from when you start the training. I think that's something that's uh, ever harder to sort of pull away from when we talk about um, movies and stars' performances within them. The most recent example is Alden Ehrenreich in Solo, a Star Wars story, where um, there's been all this negative negative press around the movie um, based on the fact that he's used an acting coach to help him to talk more like Harrison Ford. Um, but that's something that's used for the whole cast as well, not not just for him. And it's also a fairly um, commonplace thing to have an acting coach on set. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's an example of it being used as a negative but then there's the opposite of the sort of Leo DiCaprio or Sheila Buff in Fury pulling his teeth out um, so it's almost like when you you don't even see the performance itself you're seeing like the extra textual stuff behind it yeah that's informing the performance um, I mean how did you feel about uh, Ehrenreich in Solo do you think that he captured Harrison Ford um, I don't I think to an extent he does, but I think he's channeling the same kind of energy, which is more important than just being an imitation of Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, it wasn't so important that he sounds exactly like him, rather than you could maybe see the origins of that character <laughs> yeah. in, that, in that performance. I didn't even really realise that Harrison Ford had such like a distinctive voice that you had to imitate so perfectly. I mean, mm-hmm. he does have a particular voice, but I didn't know that that was so... the. It's not like Vito Corleone or something. It's not yeah. It's not that kind of voice that you would need to mimic, mm-hmm. um, which made it quite weird. I, I really enjoyed him in Solo as well. Um, but let's save that for the wigs off discussion later. Yeah. So, yeah, what you're saying, like, so Alden Ehrenreich's method in Solo involved having an acting coach and I guess that feedback, that training, that coaching. Yeah. Um, but Leo's method was living life like a... A man who's lost in the frontier outback yeah. in the wild. Um, so, I don't know, I feel like for non-actors and even actors, like, engaging with that method is so difficult. Like, just what even is acting? Yeah. Um, and it's, it seems to be very individual. It works for different people. And the effects, you know, very, very, very wildly for the audience members. Some people find the performance over the top. Some people find a performance very believable. And, like... I don't know, the way people people hang on to method acting as a way to kind of quantify and sure. maybe somehow understand acting. Yeah, I think um, th- that's a really... It's, it's, it's always upheld as like the, the sort of the way of acting, not just a way of acting. And I think that's muddied like what the method actually exists for. Um, it was developed in the sort of early uh, 20th century by Stanislavski in Russia as a way for actors to 
sort of sync their personality or find a, a point between their pers- own personality and that and that of the character um and that was literally done by going through a script and finding each motivation for each line and for each movement um so there was a reason for everything that happened on stage um and that's that's really what it's for um but but that's kind of changed as as like as we say as pr has kind of improved as 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 people have given bigger and bigger performances as people like robert de niro have gained and lost weight um 50 cent did famously did the same thing for that film that's name i can't remember um that's changed what people think of the method as Mm -hmm. people think that it's something that means you're just being crazy and tearing your own hair out or you know trying to imitate day lewis or live as a per you know stop ceasing to exist yourself mm-hmm. but that's not really what it's for and and most actors are method actors simply because that's the the normal way of of learning to act i think so if acting is very intuitive how can we attempt to fairly judge it the awards yeah is often how we kind of recognize acting and do people turn to whatever's actor's method as a way of awarding their performance we're now supposed to know more about people famous people as people right so like your taylor swift and your Kanye west are people that we know we have like intimate relationships with mm-hmm. them we feel like we know them i think the same thing is true of like a lot of actors now so someone like timothy chalamet is like he's not just this sort of uh mysterious actor somewhere he we think that we know him and he's like our mate Mm-hmm. and so his performances are performances in the mould of who we believe him to be they're not really performances so is is the method what I'm trying to get is was the method a way to demystify or, or designed as a way of demystifying the sort of boundary between uh, the viewer and the and the actor and now because of the way that sort of um now because the way that we um relate to celebrities has changed that's actually made the negated the use of the method actor i mean maybe you could argue that that makes the method even more necessary because we do know them so we need to know that they've gone through something right to believe they're playing someone else so you think we need to people need to perform someone different to themselves and that's better no, I think if people, if actors are trying to portray something that is so different, um, but we know so much about their personal lives, we need to see or have evidence of them committing to this other other lifestyle that they might be trying to portray. But I'm just thinking of, of like Leto isn't a person that we feel like we know in real life. He's like a spaceman or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't feel like we know anything about his personality. You just hear like rumours about his sort of playboy lifestyle and environmentalism. But we don't know him as a person. But I feel like a lot of the actors coming up, we do. Like Tom Holland is another example. Okay. Someone who's quite a solid actor, but we, he's not pretending to be anyone else. Um, I think that's always been you know stardom has always been a part of the film industry you know film film history is so tied to commerce and uh stardom and a star image has always been part of uh, an actor's public life and always informing their performances 
I mean, this could be a nice segue into Marilyn Monroe's star image and her relationship with method acting and her relationship with performances. You're a real beautiful woman. It's almost kind of an honor sitting next to you. You just shine in my eyes. That's my true feeling, Rosalind. What makes you so sad? I think you're the saddest girl I ever met. You're the first man I ever said that. I'm usually told how happy I am. That's because you make a man feel happy. I don't feel that way about you, Kay. She's probably one of the actors who's typified that the most, or exemplified that the most in the way that she's constantly pushing against her own style persona that was so huge and so revolutionary um, but was also considered um, like light and lacking in weight and and she wasn't sort of considered to be a person of substance um, and that's something that she tried to prove that she was yeah I feel like that's been Part, become part of her star image as well like right. I feel like that's her character in the Misfits is always struggling with what the male characters want her to represent and what they want from her but what she actually is which is you know Marilyn Monroe yeah in real life and what's so weird is that it's written by Arthur Miller who was her husband at the time mm-hmm. um, and he's clearly basing it entirely on her and his before- his relationship with mm-hmm. her so The Misfits um, is a film from the beginning of the 60s. You've got classical Hollywood cast and crew like Clark Gable, Thelma Ritter, an amazing character actress, and uh, directed by John Huston. But then you've got Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery Clift, and Eli Wallach are method actors. And it's Marilyn Monroe's last performance. Um, and it's definitely a kind of pushing against the performances we've known her for up to that point it uses her really cleverly i think mm-hmm. um or as you said like the, the whole way through the way that everyone sort of acts around her she's obviously got this huge sort of presence and magnetism that's drawing people to her um and she can't handle that she's filled with anxiety in her performance i found it really hard to watch at times because you can see her mannerism the whole way through mm-hmm. like you can see the way that she's been trained to do certain things like the way she's like applying makeup it seems like she's been trained by a coach to put makeup on in that way or she's or she's consciously gesturing to make you notice the way that she's acting mm-hmm. um f- i think it's for better and worse over the course of the film because it's a i, I think it is a really heartbreaking really sad performance um, but you can see everything that she's doing at the same time. Do you think? I So I've only seen a couple of other Marilyn Monroe films and they're pre... Before she went to study uh, with Lee Strasberg. Um, but this performance is probably my favourite performance of hers. I found it far more believable. And I think that could be um, maybe just as a, con- a young modern person looking back, classical Hollywood performances look kind of... Uh, stagey um but with this one yeah i enjoyed this performance from her a lot more it felt more real to me it feels well it's, it feels real like what she's doing but i feel like it's it's like a meta performance 
think that's what makes it interesting. Like yeah. you said, you watch her apply makeup, and I feel like watching her, like her very first scene is her applying makeup, getting dressed, learning lines for her divorce in court. It's fascinating. She's yeah. like, yeah, she's performing from the beginning, but it's just, yeah, it's very interesting. It is interesting, and it's hard to. I, I, I kept thinking, like, was she doing anything different, really differently in that? Because she has the same anxious persona, I think, throughout her career, even though she, even in something like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, uh, maybe less that, but st- I think in something like It Hot, you can see it. You can see her anxiety there. Okay. Um, and Bust Off as well. Is it because this is such a radically different film to um, some of her earlier ones? I think the filmmaking is is quite different. It's clearly like a it's a 60s movie it's quite modern i think in its technique yeah um, um and and so so is it that she's doing anything differently or is it just that her choice to be in that film is the is the big decision like that's that's the performance like that's that's the key rather than anything that she actually does within it uh no i think she's definitely bringing something to the role that is um she's definitely bringing something to the role though you're right about the film is unusual um it reminded me of a lot of uh the hustler which came out the same year and like it doesn't have a three-act structure it's kind of quite novelistic yeah um just kind of meandering around and people get drunk and it's very miserable and uh it also reminded me of uh who's afraid of virginia wolf like they're mm. kind of gathering around this house yeah and uh well albie and miller are from the same sort of era of um like stagecraft Mm-hmm. Um, Miller at the time was like the biggest um, writer in the world really or, or um, playwright in the world because he'd done The Crucible which was about his experience with the um, Blacklist mm-hmm. um, obviously he was married to Marilyn he'd also done stuff like um, View from the Bridge and Death of a Salesman so classic after classic of American theatre it has a feel like it feels different from classical Hollywood it feels like yeah. these other 60s movies that feel more like plays that feel more like novels that feel yeah. very raw yeah definitely yeah it's it's it does have his sort of theatrical style very verbose but an, an intensely sort of symbolic i think yeah i mean i i don't know what to unpack from the horses and all that stuff oh, it's all great though yeah. like, the way it was done um i think john houston always seems to be like riding a wave like he's always like his films are great but mm-hmm. he's always like like maltese falcon sort of the first noir so a lot of people say mm-hmm. but it's like is that him actively innovating or is it just that he took a lot of things that he saw and made a like a good movie within that and then like i feel like this is the same sort of thing where he's like seeing what hitchcock's doing with psycho and the way that he films the open road and and combine that with the sort of the western techniques that he used before mm-hmm. and just made this sort of very modern seeming film mm-hmm. And then, like later films like Fat City, again, it's like he's just done the same sort of thing, but within the sort of new Hollywood feel. Um, but it all it all gels really well. I think this is Montgomery Clift, like post uh, car crash, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. I didn't recognise him at first, and then I <laughs> like clocked his eyes, and that's how I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the first performance I've seen from him uh, post car crash. Um, I mean it's hard to separate the star image from the character like both Marilyn Monroe and Montgomery Clift you know very tragic mm-hmm. figures and very tragic characters and you can sort of just feel the pain radiating from it yeah it reminded me of like Cassavetes a little bit as well 
Like, I don't know if that's like a reach, but certainly the three guys just getting smashed together could have been like husbands to mm-hmm. this movie from 1970. Or, um, I don't know, just as, as you say, like the sort of meandering nature of it and, and actors being able to like find like take their time with scenes and actually just like sort of find the rhythm of it over a period Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't feel stagey it does feel like cinema yeah um i'm like i think the film of who's afraid of virginia wolf is like a great movie but it it is like stagey Mm -hmm. um what do you think about the sort of clash between what's going on with um the sort of the the thelma ritter and clark abel how do they interact with your munro and your um montgomery clift and eli wallach um i think it kind of adds to the film um because the sorry the clark gable character you know he's a cowboy who's mourning for the past and the industry's changing his life is changing and he he's kind of filled this old man filled with regret and then there's all these younger people who you can kind of look at that as a model of acting yeah definitely i was trying to like see him as not a method actor in a way. like I felt he, he was so natural and so like stripped back what he was doing I found it really quite refreshing that he was turning in such a good performance I think that's the best well, I, I can't other than Gone with the Wind I don't know what other films of his I've seen It Happened One Night yes oh yeah that's a good one um, but I yeah I, I really dug him in it um, yeah I think well acting against three method actors is bringing that out in him mm-hmm. um, and it was supposedly this like crazy shoot where Monroe was like just going off and disappearing for days on end to go on benders and John Houston was like gambling all of his money away and um, Miller kept like rewriting the script and changing mm-hmm. it based on what he saw Monroe doing mm-hmm. it's like the kind of movie that you'd love to see like a Hearts of Darkness for or like a um, Devil's Candy or something mm-hmm because um, it's just so crazy but um, but you don't actually feel that madness within the film I felt like no yeah it's one of those great movies that came out of a mess it's, it's fascinating yeah. that it worked out so I guess what we're, where we're going towards the clash of like star persona and technique itself and what how to sort of differentiate between the two mm-hmm. um, and method acting being a way of proving your technique um, mm-hmm. proving that technique somehow trumps persona and presence okay yeah. so i'm asking you like whether that's a good thing um tom cruise is one of the greatest actors who ever lived but he's not a method actor yet he can do the exact same thing in magnolia or in mission impossible 4 and people don't respect him for it people don't respect him for it is that why but, he's doing all his own stunts? Is that why he's hanging off the... Definitely. I think that's that that's his way of proving his technique. It's the same as mm. Daisy Ridley in Star Wars uh, putting Instagram videos of her working out so much because she has to prove her physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, but her performance is as good as... Well, definitely better than Jared Leto in, in, as the Joker. So we need to stop giving privilege to method actors or, t- or talking about that even if we're saying that we don't like extreme method actors we need to accept that the method is a thing that exists and that every actor goes through anyway that that to act in 2018 you have to have a method 
and um, stop sort of automatically giving credit to people that just take it to the extremes. I think like, I don't think we should forget method acting. I think it has delivered, you know, some incredible performances, and maybe it's not fair to discredit method actors or these kinds of actors for their whatever method they're doing. I think we just need to respect other methods as well and maybe talk about other approaches to acting because, you know, they can be all just as interesting. It's all part of that behind-the-scenes thing, which I think is important to how we enjoy movies. So I've been in my chambers, I've deliberated. Judge movie has tossed, judge movie has turned. And... Judge Movie finds method acting guilty of crimes against performance, guilty of evolving past the point of usefulness. It's guilty of all of these things. It's guilty of everything. Okay. So what's the sentence? They're putting a putting a blanket ban on method acting, um, but specifically people calling themselves method actors. And uh, if I see anyone within 500 feet of the actor's studio um this whole this whole thing's gonna i'm taking it all down burning hollywood down okay um yeah yeah we need new methods to revitalize the industry like brando did way back when we need need new methods to the madness the madness of cinema cool the greatest madness uh so that was method acting i'm not sure i agree with your verdict there judge you know you didn't even mention we didn't even talk about danny day lewis Oh no, that's fine because it's just judgment. I've judged it, and it's been judged. So, well, you know, I'm still a little unsure. Maybe, maybe you weren't harsh enough, or maybe you were too harsh. No, it's the judgment's final. Okay. We've had my final judgment. Okay. Well, you know, if any listeners have any thoughts about that judgment, I'd I'd like to get some support there. Um, we have an email address: judgemoviepodcast at gmail dot com. You can get in touch and tell us your thoughts, your feelings there. Although we're not going to listen to them because, you know, the judgment is final. So that's fine. You can also tell us your thoughts about the Razzies uh, because we're going to be talking about the Razzies next week. Yes, and uh, it's going to feature a good old chat about Showgirls. Yes. The Hoban's classic, 95 movie. At at the time of its release, it was the Razzie record holder for most Razzies. Um, They would give out awards for the worst in movies every year. Um, We'll get into that. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to be talking about Cinema Rediscovered, which is a film festival based here in Bristol. So we're going to be going to the third edition this summer, and I'm very, very excited. It's a festival um, that focuses on archiving and restorations and sort of looking at the importance of film history. It's going to have some great movies like The Apartment is showing and uh, Leslie Harris's uh, underseen 90s movie, Just Another Girl from the Isles. Tea. Yep, there's a restoration of the Merchant Ivory from Morris, which is Hugh Grant's breakout role. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff there. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a whole Mike Hodges retrospective that looks yes. really exciting. The Big Lebowski's playing on a Friday night. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. The dude just wants his rug back. <laughs> just want my rug, man. Um, Classic. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that yeah. in a few weeks' time. Yeah, in the meantime... Where can people hear from us? You can find us at Judge Movie Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. That's right. You can also find us on Letterbox. We each have a have a Letterbox profile, which is sort of a 
film logging. Social media, it's kind of social media. Yeah, it doesn't explain what Letterboxd is. It's Letterboxd. You never know. Yeah, all right. Um, so, yeah, you can find my profile at letterboxd.com slash Izumi. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoy Letterboxd. I've been using it for nearly five years. Fair. So have I've you, got... Have every film I've you've ever watched in five years? But... Lo- logged every film I've watched for the past five years. So it's a really interesting way to sort of, like, look at what you're watching and what you think. Uh, yeah, I think using it changed how, like... Yeah, changed the way I watch movies. Mm-hmm. It's a better way to, to take them in. Um... And I'm on there as Pemulus Zero. Cool. Uh, yeah. So follow us, show us your stats. Yeah. And you can until, see our stats. You can see our stats. All sorts of embarrassing lists on there. <laughs> um, oh, I love until, the list function. <laughs> I love the list. Anyway, we'll, we, we're not judging Letterboxd here. Until next time. Until next time.